You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. again everybody welcome back to another edition of the tell it abs it is podcast on the hockey podcast network we've got a jam-packed show with Landeskog and the expansion draft all kinds of news breaking ever since the last episode but before we get into any of that first a word from our sponsor DraftKings sportsbook DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook to use, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. And speaking of America, our top athletes are over in Tokyo competing for the gold. And DraftKings has a medal-worthy offer just for my listeners. Listen to this. Place any pre-event wager of $1 to be eligible to cash $100 in free credits if America wins any medal this year. That is 100 to 1 odds on an American athlete to stand on the podium and receive gold, silver, or bronze this week. 100 to 1 odds on an offer like this don't come around often, so sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now to get in on all of the action. DraftKings Sportsbook is incredibly easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all of the action, no matter the sport. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits if America wins a medal. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free credits for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So how is everybody doing Oh my lord, it has been a busy couple of days since our last episode. I thought I thought last episode was full of news and busy and I couldn't keep up with all of it. That that was a joke. That was appetizers compared to what has happened since last Thursday since last episode released and e- even all this is just appetizers. We still have the expansion draft coming up on Wednesday. We still have the entry draft coming soon after that. We still have free agency. We still have all of the trades that are supposed to happen, but my God, the amount of moves made in the last couple of days, plenty of news involving the Avalanche. I mean, we can just look at all these trades real quick since last episode, starting with the one we will get into later. Ryan Graves has been traded instead of losing him for nothing to Seattle. Ryan Graves has been traded to the New Jersey Devils for Mikhail Maltsev and a second-round pick in this year's draft. We will cover that extensively more in a moment. Nick Letty goes to the Red Wings in exchange for Ponick in a second. You got Jason Dickinson going to Vancouver for a third. Arizona and San Jose swapping Aiden Hill and Joseph Coronar. The Leafs get Jared McCann for Philip Hollander. The Rangers acquire the signing rights to Barkley Goodrow. 
and they also trade them Brett Howden, who I know Rangers fans despise, and they're glad to be rid of him. Then the big bomb, Ryan Ellis going to the Philadelphia Flyers for Philippe Myers and Nolan Patrick, and then the Predators fit, flip Nolan Patrick to the Vegas Golden Knights in exchange for Cody Glass and the Coyotes dump Andrew Ladd, or I'm sorry, the Coyotes take on Andrew Ladd from the New York Islanders for two seconds and a third round pick in exchange for literally nothing at all. And that is just the trades. Carey Price left unprotected by the Montreal Canadiens in what has caused some outstanding discourse over the last few days. Should Seattle take Price? Should they leave him because of his bloated contract? I I don't feel like I need to get into it all too much here because you can you can find probably hours upon hours of podcasts and hours of articles to read on the topic as well. We'll find our answer on Wednesday, but my quick answer to that is I wouldn't take price. I'm not wrapping a $10.5 million anchor around my franchise's neck right among their inception, so... Busy, busy last couple of days, and the Avalanche have been in plenty of headlines since we last talked, and some good, most of it not that good. Chief among it is Gabe Landeskog being left unprotected to the Seattle Kraken, really just showing how poorly these negotiations have gone and doesn't seem like there's going to be a solution soon. For the first time, we are completely helpless if Seattle decides to just go and offer him a ton of money. There is a real possibility for the first time that Gabe Landeskog, when the puck drops next season, might not be playing for the Colorado Avalanche. It's a it's a tough pill to swallow, and we'll cover it a lot more in a moment, but just more covering the general gist of it. Landeskog left unprotected, seemingly no progress on an extension. Also exposed for the Avalanche as all the protection lists have been made public. Jonas Donskoy and JT Comfer are exposed. Logan O'Connor gets protected, which I think is a very good idea. We'll talk about more of that in a second. Jacob McDonald, I'd say really the only notable name exposed Gerard Taze and McCarr get protected let's just we'll run through the protected list real quick protected on the avalanche forward side Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon Andre Burakovsky Nazem Kadri Val Nachushkin Tyson Jost and Logan O'Connor on defense Kale McCarr Sam Gerard Devon Taze and Philip Grubauer is protected which to me says there might be a little bit of progress with the contract there if they feel like they can protect him and so we'll see I mean from what I understand there's some positivity around that contract but not enough for me to really get in here with but I can beat around the bush all I want I'm worried I am worried about Gabe Landeskog not being on this team I said I would wait for official reports I said if Landeskog was left unprotected, I would start to get worried, and now that has passed. He is unprotected. I don't know if he gets taken because he's a UFA and he can just choose not to sign with Seattle, but I am incredibly disappointed in both sides that this has gone this far. This contract 
should have been done months ago. That's one, that's one thing I completely agree with Landis Gog about. This contract should have been done months ago. We talked about this a bit on the ne- the last episode, but why why is why did it come to this? Why is it taking this long to sign your captain that's been with you forever to a new deal? And listen, both sides are not blameless here. Landis Gog's camp is just too much is just as much to blame as Joe Sackick and the Avalanche's organization. Both sides are being seemingly pretty unreasonable. With the Avalanche seems like they're being unreasonable about term. Landis Gog's camp seems like they're being unreasonable about the money. Like there's just it should not we shouldn't be here right now. I never in a million years throughout the entire season, just even thinking ahead to the expansion draft, ever thought we would get to a point where Landeskog is left unprotected and there's a real possibility that he could leave. I mean Seattle, if they want to go after Landeskog go after Landeskog, they've got all the cap space in the world. Literally, they have all the cap space by definition. If they want Landeskog to come in and be a leader for their expansion team and they're willing to offer him, let's say $9 million, just for example. I don't know if they'll do that because it's crazy, but let's say they do. Is Landeskog going to say no to that, especially if it's for longer term? I don't think he does. So they can sign him. That can be their pick from us. And just it never should have gotten to this point. This contract should have been signed months ago. This should have been signed, honestly, before the season started. And if it wasn't that, it should have been probably signed earlier in the season if it didn't want to be a distraction. This should, this should have been done pretty soon after the season ended. Like, I, just, I really just can't wrap my head around this, how we've gotten here. You know, and I've seen the the quotes floating around that Landeskog is looking for between nine to ten million dollars on the open market. I mean, to be fair, he's not asking that from the Avs, but that's that's what he's going to be asking for if he hits free agency. I'm sorry, but if if that's really what Landeskog is asking for here, I will get on a plane fly to Colorado to pick Landis Gog up and make a point to drive him to the airport because that's absurd. If that's what you're asking for from other teams and what you're expecting to get, and that's your negotiating stance, but you'll give us a hometown discount. What's your hometown discount? Eight? What, like, you know we can't afford that. You know we're in tight with the cap and everything like I understand you want your money I do I resent no player for going and getting their money I will never ever resent that however you know we don't have that you know that you know we don't have eight to give you and if you and if you want a longer term deal which seems to be the biggest hang up here then you know you're not getting that either if you, if you want $8 million, he's going to have to take a shorter-term deal. But what I always come back to in this is what I said from the beginning, 
back in the Landeskog episode, seven times seven. I really don't see how that's not just the solution here. Maybe 7.5 million. I, I'll live with that. But I, I, will, I will have a tough time stomaching Landeskog leaving without a clear plan in place. You, you can't replace Landeskog in the room. You can replace him on the ice, but you can't replace Landeskog in the room. He is a big reason why this team is so close, such a tight-knit group that, that likes each other so much. I mean, you, you hear reports from other teams like that there is infighting, this guy doesn't get along with this guy. You don't hear about that stuff from the Avs. You, you've rarely ever heard it since Matt Duchesne, and that was with a completely different scenario with Duchesne. That had nothing to do with the actual team itself. Landeskog has been the guy. He's been your guy for over a decade at this point. And if you're going to if you're going to give him shit about aging curves, like I get I get the analytics point of view of this. You're looking at like okay, he's 28. If we sign him to a 7 or 8 year contract, he's going to be 35, 36 when that expires. Five years down the line, we could be looking at an anchor around our necks and it could stop us from competing. You can't let that stop you from competing now and tearing apart your room. I mean, because this isn't just like you're losing. Like, this isn't a Ryan Nugent Hopkins in Edmonton. I think that's a solid comparable situation. Nugent Hopkins was the first overall pick of the Oilers. And when was that? 2011? The, sa- the same year Landeskog was drafted. They've been with their organizations the exact same amount of time. But he's not the captain there or anything. You know, he- he's an alternate captain, but McDavid's obviously the captain there and everything. Nugent Hopkins, they would survive without him. They could find a way to replace him. It's different with Landeskog. This This is the glue that holds the team together. Sure, Landeskog leaves, you put, the, you put the captaincy on McKinnon. It's not the same. I love McKinnon. McKinnon is a better player. McKinnon is not the leader that Landeskog is. I'm, I'm hard-pressed to find someone who is. So, I don't, again, I've said this from the beginning. I really don't care about giving Landeskog that long of a term. Like, Sure, seven or eight years, probably towards the end of that contract, it might not be good. He might age very poorly. He might just come into a season one day and not have it anymore. Like, you just, like that's what happens with aging curves sometimes. But at the same time, as long as the AAV is not like in the ridiculous ranges of eight to nine, like if it's at seven, seven and a half, you can find a way to move that. You can. You can find a way to move that. You've even seen it this offseason. You can attach draft picks and dump them. There's buyout situations. You can load the contract to make it more buyout amenable. Amenable? Is that even a word? Is there even a word for what I'm trying to... Amendable? Is that even a word? You can make it more... I don't even know the word I'm looking for here. (laughs) You can make it easier to buy out in this situation with, like, front-loading the contract. You can find someone who wants a leader. Like, there, 
there are ways out of that contract if it does get to that point where it sucks. But also, that's a problem for when that becomes a problem. If you start just over-planning for every single problem five to six years down the line, you know, yeah, ideally, you'd want Landeskog on a four- or five-year deal, ideally, to try to avoid that aging curve. But why would he take that? Like, there's just, there's not enough. I, what I'm about to say, I fully believe in analytics. I use analytics all the time in my analysis. It is a great tool for hockey. But it's, a lot of the times, I feel like it doesn't take into account the human factor of the game. Gabe Landeskog is a human who is right now in the prime earning years of his life. Why would he take a shorter-term contract right now and not lock up long-term security? Just as a human being who has worked his entire life to get this payday, why would he do that? That doesn't make any sense unless he feels he owes the team something. And... Again, his asking price is too high, but that's what negotiating's for. It should come back down. Like, but just going back to my overall point, I can't believe we're at this point that we are, how, how far away from free agency are we? By the time you're listening to this, would it be nine days away from free agency? We, I mean, there's not going to be a Landis Gog signing because there's a roster freeze in place right now, so nothing can really happen right now. But if Landeskog throws a ton of money at him, like, and they take him, then he's just gone. And I said last episode, like, we'll, we'll really get to gauge how far along these contract talks are going by whether or not he's protected, because he is a he's an option for Seattle to take. I mean, if he, we'll see how he feels about wanting to go to Seattle. Maybe, maybe he doesn't even want to to go there at all, and this isn't even a problem yet, but it just shows where we are at this point in negotiations, and I, I understand why he's hurt by it. I mean, again, I don't understand why. I don't understand why this contract isn't done. I don't understand the, the huge asking price from his camp. I don't understand the, the nickel and diming on the term from the avalanche, and I don't understand why this wasn't taken care of last offseason. I really don't. Last offseason, like, maybe Landeskog didn't want to talk about it, but if you're Sackick and the avalanche, you should have been having the conversation at least a little more than they did. It just seems like both sides were willing to wait. Last offseason, the market was at its lowest point when it came to contracts, you would have been able to to knock this out and not have it hang over your heads all season and for it to be such a massive thing hanging over your head right now. Like, there's... This was just so avoidable, and I just can't help but be so incredibly disappointed that we're even here and even having this conversation to begin with because it, it just shouldn't be the case right now. It just... I never thought I'd find myself questioning Joe Sackick and the work he's doing, and especially after the Ryan Graves trade, which was just a few days prior, which we'll talk about after this. But this contract should have been done a year ago, and exposing him, if anything, will get, even if he doesn't sign with Seattle, they're going to talk to him and see what that is. And they're, the price they're willing to offer him is going to be higher 
than what the Avalanche can give him. So if anything, this is just going to drive up the price and make it more difficult to sign him. And I, I just don't get it. And if nothing, if nothing else, if absolutely nothing else, after everything that Landeskog has done for this team and vice versa, how is there not enough middle ground here to just find a way to get a deal done? There, there should be. Again, it sh- it should have it should have never come to this, and I am officially worried about it. I'm sure we'll get more news in the coming days, especially leading up to the expansion draft, and obviously after the expansion draft, whether Seattle takes him or not. I mean, if if they take him, that will be obviously news that we'll talk about. But if they don't, then obviously contract talks are gonna pick right back up again. But again, should have never. It should have never come to this, and I am immensely disappointed in both sides that were even here. But moving on from Landeskog for right now, I'm sure the, I'm sure we'll ha- I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about it with in the coming days. I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of news crammed into the next about 10 days between everything that we mentioned earlier. But getting back to the topic of the expansion draft a little more, the Avalanche have made their first big move of the offseason by trading Ryan Graves to the New Jersey Devils, like I mentioned earlier, in exchange for Mikhail Maltsev and a second round pick, that second round pick belonging to the New York Islanders. It is the 61st overall pick in the draft. So when you really look at it, we gave the Islanders a second round pick for Devontae's this year and next, and we end up getting their second round pick. Kind of a pick swap when you look at it, but my opinion on this trade, I like it. I like it a lot. I was fully prepared to lose Ryan Graves for absolutely nothing. I had made that concession in my head months ago. Months ago, I I made that concession in my head that we were going to lose Ryan Graves for nothing. Seattle was just going to have him, and I was just prepared to live with that. But the fact that Joe Sackick went out there and moved him before the roster freeze and got a, a solid return for him. Like I, if we were going to trade him, I was not expecting there to be much of a return. A second round pick, even a late second round pick alone would have been great, but getting Mikhail Maltsev as well is a solid pickup. This is a guy that I could see playing in our bottom six next season. 23 years old, fourth round pick in 2016. He had his rookie season last year with the Devils. He played 33 games, scoring six goals and three assists for nine points. Seems like a real solid guy, a guy that can possibly come in and plug right in to that bottom six. We're going to need guys to plug in to our bottom six, as obviously our contracts are going to squeeze out a lot of guys like Pierre-Edouard Belmar, who is not going to be returning, as we heard about a little earlier. Belmar's not returning 
Matt Calvert's likely getting squeezed out as well. I mean, he is getting squeezed out as well. That's not a question. But we're going to need those cheaper guys to come in and play here. And I think Maltsev can be that guy that can come in and get a job right out of training camp. And again, to get that for Graves as just a straight-up return, even without the expansion draft, I would be... I would be satisfied with that. And you look at Graves' contract as well. He makes $3 million, just above $3 million. It's not a great contract. Even when it was signed in last year's offseason on October 12th, it wasn't a great contract. To get that money off the books and potentially have Donskoy or Kompfer get taken off of the books as well, clearing up potentially about, where's the numbers I'm looking at here, like probably about $7 million in cap space is is huge. And that frees up room for negotiations with guys like Landeskog and Makar. And I mean, $7 million to clear up, like, that could be sod money, potentially. If not sod money, then that could be enough money to attract someone else in free agency or through trade. Like, that's a significant amount of money, to be clear. Like, especially if, if it's JT Comfer that gets picked as well, which a lot of people seem eager to dump, Avalanche included. You're clear, you're clearing some good space off there. And Donskoy is 400000 more in cap. Like, if those are the two or one of the two that is taken in expansion. That would be an ideal situation for the Avs. I think that's one of the reasons why they protected Logan O'Connor. I th- I think I would, if I was Seattle and O'Connor was unprotected, I would have taken him just to help save Kappen because he's a, a, a real solid player, as we saw last year. I mean, there's always the possibility that they take a Jacob McDonald instead, or, I don't know, anybody else. But if they want to... A solid NHL player, Donskoy or Comfer is the obvious picks for them. But in terms of this trade for Graves, it's a solid move for both sides. The Devils are getting, obviously, Graves, who, I mean, I'm not as low on Graves as some people are. I think he's a solid defenseman. I don't... He make he makes some dumb decisions. I mean, it's unfortunate that my last memory of Ryan Graves is going to be him taking those two absolutely boneheaded shots in the Game 5 overtime against the Golden Knights. Just dumb, leading directly to the Mark Stone Cold. Just dumb, dumb play. But he he definitely had his uses on this team, a huge penalty killer. And I, if the Devils are expecting him to be like a top pair guy, I think that's very optimistic. But in in kind of the same role that he was with the Avalanche, I think they'll be getting, I think they'll be getting their money's worth with him. And for the Avalanche to be getting a, a second round pick is solid, and to be getting a guy that they can have in their bottom six as soon as this season is very useful. I don't I don't think Maltsev is gonna develop into much more than that as a, a bottom six guy. Maybe he can be like a a top nine guy, maybe, maybe, I, I, just based on what I've seen from him, 
best case scenario is he tops out on the third line in his career. And he's only 23, and I doubt he's going to make much money on his next contract, which is after this coming season. He could be he could be here for a while, depending on how useful he is here. I really I like this move for both sides. This is a tidy piece of work from two very solid general managers making their teams better and making the best of a bad situation. I mean, and it's I like that teams are doing deals with each other instead of doing deals directly with Seattle like they did for Vegas. I mean, we could have gone to Seattle and done some kind of move to get something for Graves or to protect Graves and like even teams like Dallas who traded Jason Dickinson for a third and so that they wouldn't just lose him for nothing. Like even the Penguins getting Philip Hollander back and a seventh from Toronto for Jared McCann and like the the goalie swap with the Coyotes and the Sharks and everything and all this all the weird stuff that's been happening over the last little while for protection purposes. The Arvidsson deal with the the Predators and the Kings. I like the teams are doing deals with each other instead of just directly helping out the expansion team like they did with Seattle. But this is this is just a solid move for both sides. Solid considering the circumstances, even without the circumstances of the expansion draft. I really don't think there's anything to complain about with this trade. This is a great deal for both sides. I like it a lot. It helps us out a lot in expansion. We're getting something for Graves. The Devils are getting Graves, who's going to help them out on their back end. I like this a lot. I really do. I think this is a solid, solid trade for both sides. But on the topic of expansion, we have all of the protected lists done and dusted. We'll do we'll do a full mock draft on our next episode. The schedules are a little weird for this one. I've got a I got a great guest coming on for the next episode, but the expansion draft is on Wednesday when I record and it's not going to be released until Thursday, and it's gonna it's gonna be weird. I'm gonna have a mock draft on the next episode, and basically full looking at expansion and Seattle and what they're gonna look like and implications for the Avalanche. So it's gonna be a little outdated when it comes out, but I'll make it a two-parter, just looking at what happened in expansion. If anything crazy over the top happened obviously with the avalanche as well if you want to read my full mock draft ahead of time i am working on a project on with fansided right now to make my own personal mock draft that should be out probably by the time you're hearing this if not by the time you're hearing this at least later on monday i should have that done so if you want to see my full mock draft for seattle it'll probably be out by the time you're hearing this but Seattle, they're not going to be bad. Now that I've seen the protection list and what they can actually look like, uh, it is not out of the realm of possibility that the Seattle Kraken are going to make the playoffs next season. Even the, like the, the worst teams that I'm putting together, like teams that are focused on the futures, are really not that bad bad i mean you've got guys like max domi exposed yanni gord is a slam dunk for them i really think they should take jared mccann there's some solid defensemen available i mean they can get carry motherfucking price if they so desire and if they're willing to live with that cap hit and just have their their franchise face for five years no matter the consequences they can just do that or they can get capo kakinen and Chris Trieger and Vitek Vanacek and just have a solid 
young goaltending trio for the next few years of their existence. They can put together a very solid defense. I mean, Jay Fresh Hockey, his Seattle roster builder, has just a great way of visualizing it. If I just put put together a team real quick with the likes of Nino Niederreiter, Yanni Gord, Donskoy, Tarasenko, McCann, yada, yada. Projected standing points is 107. This is with Carey Price and Kapil Kakinen as their goaltending tandem. I mean, really looking at this team on paper, it is not bad. It is not bad whatsoever. Like, if they draft the right players here, Seattle could be a solid team. I don't I don't know if they'll pull a Vegas and go to the, the cup final in the first year, but playoffs? I th- I think that is a reasonable possibility. It, the, it seems like there are a few names that are kind of been floating around for Seattle is going to take them. I think Chris Dreger is one of them. Sign him as a UFA in the this talking period. I've also seen Nikita Zadorov from Chicago being talked about. I'm not crazy about Zadorov being on Chicago. I'd like to see him get a fresh start in Seattle. I think that would be fun for him. And uh, what was the other? Jake Bean in Carolina. So two defensemen and the goalie. I personally would take Nino Niederreiter over Jake Bean, just because Niederreiter's really freaking good. But Jake Bean is a young guy who can develop into something good. I mean, Seattle can go so many ways with this. They can they can be a powerhouse next season full of stars like Tarasenko and Niederreiter. And, well, stars might be, might be a bit aggressive. But, like, if they want to take Tarasenko and Jordan Everly and where's some other guy, James Van Riemsdyk or Jake Voracek and Jason Zucker, and, like, just get all these, like, solid, proven NHL players, Mark Giordano, Nick Jensen, like, again, Stars is aggressive, but Marcus Nudovar, there are some good players available. They can make the playoffs in their first season, and I don't think I would be all that surprised. The team I have in front of me right now it has 12 defensemen, 15 forwards, and three goalies. And still, what do they have? About $25 million in projected cap space with some RFAs to sign and a solid prospect pool. I mean, I'll get into all that and more later on the next episode when we get into expansion draft further. But Seattle looks like they could be good. I do think they've made one mistake already, and I think they overplayed their hand a bit when it comes to expansion deals with the first and a third thing because now you have trades like Ryan Graves where Colorado's just like, okay, screw you. We'll make a deal with someone else. And with the Nick Lettys and the Jason Dickinsons and the Jared McCanns and pl- like stuff like that, I think they overplayed their hand a little bit with their high price. Not saying they can't still get that. They'll still get some deals and teams that are desperate in order to do something. But even then, with the the Carey Price thing is a is a masterclass from Mark Bergman. Just to pivot a little bit onto that same topic, Carey exposing Carey Price is a masterclass from Mark Bergman. There are two scenarios here: either they take Carey Price, which it would be unexpected and probably a little heartbreaking for Montreal, but that does clear ten point five million off the books for the next. Five years, and if Carey Price all of a sudden just falls off, they don't have to deal with that anymore. Yeah, they're giving up a Carey Price, which is not at all nothing, 
but they're clearing all that money off the books. Or they just don't take Carey Price, and then they protected Jake Allen, and they get to run back their goaltending tandem next year. It's a brilliant move from Mark Bergevin. Either way, he's easily my favorite Canadian GM. He's he's a lot of Canadian GMs are either dumb or they're cowards most of the time. Mark Bergevin is neither. I love watching. I love seeing the teams he builds. That man is afraid of nothing. But I think teams are doing better than they did with Vegas. I don't think we're going to see Jonathan Marchessault and Riley Smith trades and getting Alex Tuck and Shea Theodore for th- for free this time. You know, Seattle might actually have to work for it a little bit. But they're going to be good. If, unless they really fuck up this draft, they're going to be a good team right out of the gate, and you're going to need to take them seriously. And it's almost, it's almost unfortunate for Seattle that Vegas was so good because they have that expectation to live up to. And if they miss the playoffs, I feel like some people might even look at it as like a failure. But, I mean... It shouldn't at all. Even if even if Seattle is actually bad next year, even if we expect them to be good and they're bad, like that's not a failure. They're an expansion team. They're not supposed to be good. That's what made Vegas so special. They're not supposed to be good. They're supposed to be bad. But even I don't think Seattle is going to be bad in the Pacific Division. In the Pacific, against all the California teams, bare minimum they finish above all of the California teams. Maybe not LA. Now that I'm saying that out loud. But look at their division. Anaheim, Calgary, Edmonton, LA, San Jose, Vancouver, and Vegas. There is a real chance that Seattle is the third best team in that division. They're not better than Vegas. Edmonton, we will see. Ken Holland is not having a good offseason so far, and I am very afraid to see what he does after the expansion draft with the cap space that they have if he was willing to make a Duncan Keith move. Calgary is apparently committed to being mediocre still. They still think they can do it with this team. I don't know. Anaheim, they're not going anywhere, I don't think. San Jose, no. Vancouver is run by Jim Benning. They're going nowhere. If Seattle does a good job in this expansion draft and ices a decent team, they've got a solid chance. They really have a solid chance of making the playoffs. I wouldn't go any I wouldn't go cup final or anything crazy like that like Vegas did, but playoffs is definitely a possibility. And even if they miss the playoffs, I think no I think no matter what, they're going to be right there. I think Vegas and Edmonton make the playoffs in the Pacific next year. We'll see what happens with Calgary and Vancouver, even LA to an extent. I mean, there's still an entire offseason to happen. We 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 Everything we saw right before the trade freeze with Ryan Ellis and everything, that was just appetizers before the real meat of this offseason, the real all-you-can-eat buffet of this offseason that's going to be coming up. But, I mean, I'm probably getting a little ahead of myself because Seattle doesn't even have a team yet. I mean, maybe maybe Ron Francis is actually just really dumb and puts together an absolutely terrible team. But with the options that they have here, there is the potential to build both a solid team and a sustainable team. I mean, you you can pick guys like Kiefer Bellows and Cole Lind and Ryan Donato. Jake Bean is rumored to be the guy that they're taking. Like, they can take younger, good players that can make this team last for a while. It doesn't have to be just 
burnt out 29, 31-year-olds, like, they can be good, and they can be pretty good for a while. I mean, we saw what Vegas did. I mean, Vegas' expansion draft, how many players are even left from that? Four? If you include Flurry, I believe they have that entire... Oh, the, the Misfits line. I hate saying that. I hate saying that. I hate saying the Misfits line. The, the Misfits line of Marcioso, Carlson, Smith, Will Carrier, Braden McNabb, and Flurry. So five players, if I'm doing the math right, five players from the expansion draft left. The rest were traded. I mean, Seattle can ice a very good team next year. And just on terms of what they do with the Avalanche, I think they take Donskoy. I think that's a guy that can plug into their top six and be good for them for the next two years if his shooting percentage sustains. But I think they take Donskoy. I don't see, unless they think Comfort can play center and they're at need for centers, I don't see that they really do that. And like with with Comfort, I think we're being a little hard on him. He had a down year last year, no doubt. But he also had plenty of a solid years before that as well. I mean, and when you look at them all back to back, which ones are the outliers? Is it him having back to back 32, 31 point seasons, 16 goals, 11 goals? And 48 games last year, 10 goals, 8 assists. I know he he had that like hat trick at the end of the year and everything, and he wasn't great in the playoffs. But there's, there's still something there. He's an NHL player. Do you think him being decent for a couple years is the outlier, or him being bad for one is the outlier? I'm not going to really complain either way. I think, I'll put it like this, we can do better than JT Comfer, and at 3.5, we can do better than JT Comfer. I think it will be good for the team if Seattle takes him, but I also don't think it's a bad gamble for Seattle to take to see if there's a little more there with Comfer, and I don't think the Avalanche are screwed if we keep him going into the lineup next year. I think I think he's fine. I think he'll bounce back better next season, but I'd still take Donskoy as Seattle. 3.9 is not bad for him for a a top six winger for them, I think he'll be pretty solid, especially if, if they build the team the way I think they will. I mean, if they put him on a wing with Yanni Gord or Max Domi, I think he'll be fine. Not anything exceptional or anything, but I think he'll be like a typical expansion guy. He'll put up some goals. He'll, he won't be anything special for them, but if we can get that 3.9 off the books, especially with the, the little over 3 million that we already got with Ryan Graves off the books as well, that's just solid business from the Avalanche and more money that they can spend on improving the team. We're going to have to replace Donskoy. That 3.9 is probably going to have to go to a direct replacement, but it's more money and just more flexibility for your team. But Seattle, man, we'll see what they do on Wednesday, but I I think they can do some some good stuff here and make a real solid hockey teams there's they've got some good options on defense they obviously have some options in net and I mean I mean this, and this is just looking at like the protected list this doesn't even factor in the trades that they could make here I mean that that's what that's what made Vegas like special to another level the the, the way they hosed all those other teams in trades and got all those draft picks and everything so this like that's just looking at the 
the protection lists. That doesn't even factor in the kind of work that Ron Francis can do outside of that. But there's really only so much speculation we can do for so many months now. I'm just, I'm so ready to see what finally happens with this. I mean, when, when was Seattle even announced? It feels like it was ages ago now. I have to, I have to look that up now. When was the Seattle Kraken announced? I feel like we've been waiting for this expansion draft forever. I mean, okay, well, obviously last year they announced their their name and everything. When were they announced to be moving to Seattle? I, when was the NHL? This is great podcasting, by the way. This is exactly what you want from a, an audio podcast. You type stuff in on Google and you have to filibuster to fill the time while you wait for your internet to load and try to find out a meaningless answer to something. When was this? I know this was here. I feel Was this 2018? December 2018, they were awarded an expansion franchise. Man, so it'll have been two and a half years, basically, since they were announced between expansion drafts, or since it was announced to the expansion draft. We've been having this on the back of our minds for forever so as, as much as a shame it will be for it to be over and for us to go back to normal off seasons after this i am very excited to see what happens here and all the ensuing chaos that will come as a result and let me just say i hope to cod they pick carrie price just for the, the the fucking meltdown that will come as a result that will be so so entertaining because as we know montreal reasonable fan base with fans that do not overreact to anything to see Carey Price get taken in expansion uh just just hook that right into my veins this offseason is going to be crazy it's been crazy it's going to get crazier this 10 day stretch is going to I like I might be catatonic by the time August rolls around like I'm I might just I might just fall asleep and go into hibernation until October. There's just going to be so much information to process. I genuinely don't know how I'm going to do it all. But until then, that's going to do it for this edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I have been your host, Griffin Youngs. Thank you so much for tuning in. Next episode, we will have a very awesome guest. He's been on the show before. You know him. You love him. I'll save the surprise for you. You guys know him. You love him. We'll talk about the expansion draft, what's going on with Gabe and the Avalanche. And by the time we talk, Seattle's going to have a team. And who knows? Gabe Landeskog might be a member of the Seattle Kraken for all we know. There, are, there is just an infinite reality of possibilities that can happen over the course of the next three days, man. But until then, thank you all so much for tuning in. I really, really do appreciate it i feel like i don't say it enough to uh, i i see you all i see you consistent listeners the ones who stick around episode after episode i see you i see you guys in the numbers i appreciate you deeply there is no show without you guys so once again thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in episode after episode i have been your host griffin youngs thank you so much once again for tuning in and i will catch you all next time when the NHL might look significantly different. Enjoy the rest of your week.